Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. I'm Dylan Tyre, and this is Believe in Ohio State. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Ohio State. Hope everybody had an excellent past week and is ready to talk some Ohio State football. As we're going to get right into it right now, we're going to go around the Oval, bring you the latest news for former Buckeyes, current Buckeyes, and much more. And we got to start off in the National Football League is a couple of uh, releases in the NFL, so maybe some bad news for former Buckeyes. But first and foremost, JT Barrett, former Ohio State quarterback, was released by the Pittsburgh Steelers. His former teammate, tight end Jeff Hireman, was released by the Denver Broncos. And then some COVID-19 NFL news, Bengals tackle Isaiah Prince, of course, another former Ohio State Buckeye, has opted out of the 2020 National Football League season. So Isaiah Prince will not be playing for the Bengals next year because of COVID-19. A couple more notes from the National Football League. Six Buckeyes last week were named to the NFL Network's top 100 list. The highest rated Buckeye came in at number five. That was Michael Thomas. At number 17, it was Nick Bosa. Ezekiel Elliott checked in at number 24. Ten spots after him at number 34 it was Los Angeles. Chargers defensive end and Nick's brother Joey Bosa who of course recently signed a five-year $135 million extension with the Chargers. His $102 million guaranteed is a brand new NFL record for a defensive player, so congratulations to Joey. Two more Buckeyes on that top 100 list for the NFL Network. Checking in at number 76, Saints cornerback Marshawn Lattimore and at number 84, Cameron Hayward, Steelers defensive end. News on campus yesterday, some big news on campus, I should say, yesterday. Ohio State named its team captains. Offensive lineman Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers will be captains, as will cornerback Sean Wade. Two linebackers were named captains, Justin Hilliard along with Tuff Borland, who is now a three-time captain for Ohio State, just the second Buckeye to ever do that. The other one, of course, was JT Barrett. Jonathan Cooper, defensive end, also named team captain. And, of course, Justin Fields, the quarterback for the Buckeyes, was named one of their team captains yesterday. 
Moving over to the SEC, they held a video conference with players and league officials to better understand the players' concerns going into the 2020 season, whether it's about COVID-19, racial injustice, uh, being paid or not. But a day later, a day after they held that meeting, the SEC announced its plan to play a 10-game conference-only schedule starting on Saturday, September 26. So some big news there as we move over to the Pac-12 conference. Pac-12 players created a unity movement a couple of days ago with demands for health and safety, racial injustice, and economic equality that must be met. Otherwise, they say they're going to boycott the 2020 football season. So a lot to unpack there when it comes to the SEC and the Pac-12 and what that might mean for the Big Ten and Ohio State this season. So I invited on Brendan Gulick, who's the publisher and beat reporter for Buckeyes Now, which is Sports Illustrated's dedicated Ohio State site, to kind of break things down with me, talk about it a little bit more. So without further ado, here he is, Brendan Gulick. Obviously, the situation is evolving every day. You don't know what could happen tomorrow. You don't know what could happen the next day. We don't know what could happen in a month. But as it stands right now, looks like we're moving in a positive direction towards having college football in 2020. But... There's some stuff popping up with a coalition in the Pac-12. So can you tell me a little bit about what's going on in the Pac-12 and whether or not that threatens the potential college football season? Yeah, I, I think it's uh, probably not unforeseen what the Pac-12 came up with here. And, and frankly, I think they swung pretty big uh, given where we are right now as, as a sports culture. Um, I think they asked for the moon and we'll see if they get any of it. Um, but at the moment, you know, the, the players haven't had quite the same voice that perhaps um, maybe the players have had in some other leagues. And I think a lot of the college athletes in combination with everything that's going on right now, the name, image and likeness, you know, legislation um, starting to come to the forefront of conversations, the the social unrest, the, just this whole culture, I, I think right now is sort of giving a voice to collegiate student athletes who feel that they should be paid. Uh, they're, they're taking this opportunity and trying to run with it. And I certainly don't blame them for trying to capitalize on the leverage that they have. Uh, I have a really hard time believing that all of their quote-unquote demands are going to be met um but that doesn't mean they can't make some progress in in you know the the battle that they're fighting here so i'll be really interested to see where the middle ground is because i don't i don't think the ncaa is going to give them nothing um but the ncaa probably looks at this and says gee we've already said that your scholarships are guaranteed if you back out and and it's voluntary this season like you don't need to play so you know that that was it felt to me like when I read through their list of demands that was one of the staples that they had and uh, it, it sort of felt like that had already been addressed. I, I'm I'm really interested to see where it, where it lands, Dylan, because I think they they asked for an awful lot, knowing they probably wouldn't get it all, but they'd like to see what kind of momentum they uh, can create, and you know from their perspective, whatever win they can get, whatever whatever the the Pac-12 or the NCAA would quote unquote give to them might make them feel like okay we're we're really starting to make some legitimate actual progress here the, the name image and likeness stuff is is going to happen I don't know when it's going to happen I don't know what the circumstances are but uh, I think the NCAA as a 
you know, overarching organization knows the change is coming and they're trying like crazy to make sure they don't have 50 states with 50 different sets of rules. <laughs> They'd like to have one set of rules. Um, whether or not the federal government's going to give them that kind of autonomy, I think is still up in the air. But this this is going to be a really interesting couple of months here to see what happens with college sports if they play in the fall and, you know, what kind of potential unionizing effort the uh, the Pac-12 might have, have initiated here. With uh, that list of demands that you're talking about from these players in the Pac-12, I, I've heard a little bit about the possibility of these guys boycotting the season if their demands are not met. Do you think that's real? I mean, it seems to me like there's too much for the players to lose if they do that. Like you said, you know, they can opt not to play and still have their scholarships, but what's the situation if there were a boycott? Yeah, since you're asking my opinion, I'm going to call their bluff. Um, I think there might be some players that, uh, that, that would boycott the season. I think there are a lot of players that will give in to peer pressure and not boycott the season. Um, I have a hard time seeing that. I, I know that, you know, from what I've read and from who I've talked to, not everybody in the entire conference is on board with it, but there is certainly a significant number. I mean, we're talking about several hundred players across the entire Pac-12 that feel this way. So it's, it's a good chunk. Um, I don't know if it's enough to make any one team in particular say, hey, look, we're not playing this year because we can't feel the team. Um, but... I I just have a hunch that that's not going to come to fruition. I think the Pac-12 is going to have a football season, and you know whether they're upperclassmen or underclassmen, whether it's you know super notable guys that could be first round draft picks or guys at the end of the bench that are trying to make a statement and stand up for what they believe in. Um, I would be very hard pressed to believe, at least at this stage of the game, I'd be really hard pressed to believe that the Pac-12 would not be able to field teams this year and have a season. I want to transition things now to the SEC because I heard kind of a ridiculous argument. I'll put it this way, because right now, the way the season's the season looks, the SEC set to begin conference only play 10 game schedule on September 26th. And and I read that some of the I'll put it smaller programs in the SEC are upset at this because they lose out on program building games, games against teams like Middle Tennessee, a game where you're going to beat up on other opponents. So first of all, give me your opinion on that, because like I said, I think it's frankly a little bit ridiculous. And uh, after that, do you think there's still a possibility that we could see some out of conference football games this season, or is it just going to be conference only? I think the games against the FCS opponents are a massive point of contention right now. Hmm. Um, as it pertains to the SEC, I've always thought it was a little strange. They play those games late in the year. <laughs> they certainly play some early, but it seems like, you know, Alabama will play UAB in like week nine. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with them doing that weeks one, two, and three, but it makes you kind of scratch your head as the season goes along. Um, but most other conferences will play those games early enough in the season. And, and I just, I think that is a huge point of conversation here early in the year of, you know, who, who's responsible for those games. Like for example, right now we live in big 10 country. Um, the big 10 made a ruling that they're not going to play non-conference football games, but you'll notice that a lot of the mid-major schools have not come out and said, yeah, we're not playing non-conference football games either. Because in my opinion, if they go to court and they've already said that, then they lose all their 
all their leverage, right? So even if, for example, as it pertains to Ohio State, even if Buffalo knows in their heart there's no way they're going to play Ohio State in week three and they never would do it, they're not going to publicly admit to that because they still might they still might be able to collect it $1.8 million. That, that hasn't been settled yet. Mm. Um, or, you know, the Bowling Greens of the world or, or whoever. I mean, I, I think that is a, a really interesting storyline to follow here the next couple of months because some of these smaller schools, man, they are hemorrhaging cash right now and trying to figure out how to stay afloat. Do I think we're going to have non-conference football games of any kind this year? Uh, I think there's going to be a small effort to play some non-league games. I read a report tonight out of the Big 12, although I, I certainly haven't sourced this myself, uh, but I read a, a report out of the Big 12 that they are going to approve a schedule for nine conference games and one non-conference game. Um, I know the ACC had come out and said, hey, we'll play you know, 10 league games and approve one non-league game so we can sort of keep some of these traditional rivalries together like Clemson and South Carolina, for example, supposed to play this year. And then the next day the SEC comes out and says, actually, we're not going to do that. We're just going to play in the league. Um, and that's part of the challenge right now, Dylan. you got everybody trying to do their own thing and and not point fingers at each other. But um, there's there's some disconnect right now. There's definitely some some differing opinions. And from what I've heard as it pertains to the big 10, they don't really care what other conferences are going to do. The big 10 is looking at this and saying, okay, we're going to make the decision we think is best for us as a league and whatever everybody else does is their own business. Um, I, I think this is just such a landmark year for college athletics where we're going to see a lot of discord all across the, uh, the landscape. And I hope, I hope it doesn't cause irreversible damage somewhere along the way. Well, with that discord in mind, it has me thinking, how are we going to solve championships this season? There's not going to be a way to come together and play bowl games. Is there, or what about a national championship? What are the plans for that if there are any right now? So here's the one big thing as it pertains to college sports national championships that a lot of fans don't realize. They just sort of group this together mentally, but there is a very important distinction here. When the NCAA says that we are going to, quote-unquote, cancel championship events, for example, the, the Board of Governors meets tomorrow and they might cancel fall sports championships. Legally, that cannot include Division One college football because there is no such thing as the NCAA football championship. That literally does not exist. At FCS, at Division Two, at Division Three, the smaller schools, yes, that exists. There's a, a bracketed tournament to determine a champion. The college football playoff is an entirely separate entity. It's not owned and operated by the NCAA. It's owned by the conferences and by the schools. The NCAA does not have the authority to cancel that. So they could make college football, as most fans like to follow it, they could make it look bad if they played in the fall because they might have canceled the field hockey championship tournament and the volleyball and the soccer tournaments, but they literally cannot cancel the football championship. So I think right now the conversation for the NCAA is, okay, look, there's a lot of D2 and D3 leagues around the country that have already kind of thrown in the towel and said we're either not having kids 
kids on campus or as a conference, we don't think it's appropriate to play this year. And so maybe it's easy to cancel the Division Three field hockey championship or the Division Two soccer tournament. But at Division One, I think they're going to give this as much leash as they can. I wouldn't be surprised if the Division One uh, decision doesn't come down tomorrow. They might delay it again. But know that if the NCAA comes out and says, we've canceled fall sports championships, take a deep breath because that literally cannot apply legally to Division One major college football. Will we have a college football playoff this year? That's up to the conferences. It's up to the SEC, the ACC, Big 12, Pac-12, Big 10. Do they want to do they want to go through with that? Do they want to actually have a season? Um, they can still play a regular season even if they decide they don't want to have a tournament, but somewhere along the way you wonder what's the point then. Um, my gut all along has told me that that there is too much money tied up into college football. The, the, the Power 5 schools would lose more than $4 billion if they don't play college football this year. Mm. And until someone tells me otherwise that there is not going to be college football, I'm inclined to believe that there will be in some capacity. I just don't know what that looks like yet. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if there are empty stadiums. Certainly wouldn't surprise me if different teams play different numbers of games. Um, I just have a really hard time envisioning with all of the financial hardship that schools are already going through after missing out on March Madness and in, in spring sports, I have a really hard time seeing there not being football, but maybe I'm just naive about it. Who knows? Well, the last thing I'll ask you here then, because I was going to ask you, do you think this season can happen? Is it viable? But I guess I'll ask you this, and it's a completely opinion question. Just tell me what you think. Can this season or or is this season ethical? Because in the Big Ten, for example, a school like Minnesota, they're doing online classes where other schools might be coming back. So is it ethical for a school that has online courses to, I know you can opt out, but in a sense, be kind of pressuring the football players to be on campus, putting themselves at risk while their classmates are able to stay at home? That is a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, boy, I, I have always kind of felt like if kids can't be on campus, if you are not paying college athletes, um, it would be pretty hard to justify having college sports for amateur athletes. If the rest of the student body isn't around, um, I don't know if that's what they're going to decide. Admittedly, I have spent enough time around Division One college athletics that I think D1 athletes are extremely well cared for, way beyond what most people understand and know. Um, and while they might not be getting a paycheck in their pocket, the value of what they're given from a nutrition and not just education in the classroom, but care for the whole person, that entire package is worth a boatload of money to a school. And, uh, I mean, just, if the gear that, that a lot of the division one kids get and, and the access to things that they get that other kids don't, uh, there is a serious value to that, that schools invest in. And so I, I think the NCAA model has fought the idea of paying student athletes for a really long time. Um, 
they've never had to deal with something as serious as, hey, we're asking you to put your potential health at risk by playing during a pandemic. And everything is about the, you know, overall health and well-being of the of the student athlete. And that's how it should be. But every school is going to have a different level of risk appetite. And I think it's going to be really interesting because, boy, I'm telling you, there are there are some schools that are infuriated that their students are not going to be on campus this fall. And there are some schools whose students are probably going to be on campus this fall that are absolutely enraged that they will be. There is such a differing of opinion here. And I, I, I have a hard time seeing where there's going to be any like peace out of this um i suppose i can certainly understand where you know if someone is saying hey i'm i'm not paying you for your quote-unquote services collegiate student athlete but you know they live the lifestyle of someone who is essentially a professional athlete i can see where that could cause some serious tension um i hate to just like tell the middle line on you but to be honest with you i i'm not sure where i stand on it i'm still kind of developing that opinion i i'm trying to listen to both sides and figure out where my heart is on it but um is it ethical man that's a that's a really (laughs) tough question i i think the fact that there is a volunteer part of this that you know the student athlete is allowed to opt out and is going to be guaranteed their education i think that certainly helps um those who wanted to, you know, to go on. Well, I lied. That's not going to be the last thing I asked you because of your, because of your answer there. Do you see more coalitions like we're seeing in the PAC 12 popping up, maybe not just in conferences, but at schools themselves, because with everything that you said, it got me thinking in there, obviously there's two sides to, to every story here, but I think the athletes have the administrators in a tough spot right now where they can make more demands and, and maybe can push for a decision on whether or not they're going to be compensated in, in some way to guarantee a season this year. So do you see that happening at all, or are we just too close to, to the start date of a season that that can even happen? I hope the answer to your question is that there's not more coalitions, plural, that pop up. Yeah, I hope that they don't diversify so much that they have a hard time gaining any real traction we've had a couple of different instances where um you know for instance i think it was at northwestern somebody you know kind of started to try to formalize some sort of ncaa football players union i could see where what's going on in the pac-12 right now might gain some traction beyond the pac-12 and and spread to schools you know, in other power five conferences where maybe they could get one larger coalition. Mm. But if they branch off and if the Pac-12 wants to do one thing and the SEC wants to do another thing and the Big Ten another thing, I'm not sure if that's healthy for college sports. Um, But I think you're probably dead on with this, man. They've, They've got administrators in a tough spot. They've probably got as much leverage as a student athlete as they've ever had. And, you know, for those who want change, they should act on it. And this is their chance to do so. Well, Brendan, I really appreciate you joining me here. This was a, a great conversation. I, I learned a lot. This was really interesting. It got me thinking. And uh, now it's uh, got me kind of uh, wanting to really do more reading into more of the legal aspects of everything that's going on right now. You bet, man. Glad to, glad to join you and hope to do it again soon. 
All right. Hopefully we'll uh, have you back here and be able to actually talk some Buckeye football. <laughs> Would love that. So thanks again to Brendan Gulick, of course, the publisher and beat reporter for Ohio State on Buckeyes Now Sports Illustrated's dedicated Ohio State site. Really enjoyed that conversation with Brendan, just uh, kind of getting to understand what's going on beneath the surface of everything that we're hearing. Great to hear some of the legal side of things from Brendan, and I'd love to have him back when we can actually start to talk some football because he has great insight on the Ohio State football program. And as you heard, he's just a, a fun guy to talk to. He's got good things to say. So that's going to do it for this week of Believe in Ohio State. I thank you for being with me as always. Hopefully next week we can start to talk some Ohio State scheduling, some potential opponents, and how this team is going to look going into the 2020 college football season. So one more time, thanks again to Brendan Gulick. Thank you for joining me, and I'll see you next week on Believe in Ohio State. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.